through 25 seasons. Hey! 4,561 episodes. I believe the Oprah Winfrey Show was one of the greatest classrooms in the world. I really never thought of it that way. The aha moments, the breakthroughs, the LOLs, the connections, the occasional ugly cry. I miss him so terribly. I miss him every single minute. The moments that mattered. The eye-opening life lessons. Never allow them to take you somewhere else. I'm bringing them back. It's time to open the vault. I've personally chosen these classic episodes to share with you again. Every single person you ever will meet shares that common desire. They want to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? Does what I say mean anything to you? You are listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. It was the year 2000 when we told his story. Back then, we couldn't say his name or show his face, but so many of you were outraged. He was a six-year-old little boy who had endured some of the most heinous child abuse our nation had ever heard. Try to imagine what it would be like for a small child to be locked inside a closet. Our crew reconstructed this closet based on police evidence photos. It is less than two feet by two feet. And inside, Clayton's little body was wrapped in a wire fence and then bound with chains like an animal. He wasn't given food for days. Sometimes he would eat pieces of a paper bag that were left in this closet. Even more unfathomable, this was not at the hands of strangers. While living in a small Indiana town, six-year-old Clayton was terrorized and brutally abused by the very people who were supposed to protect and care for him. His father, Joseph, and stepmother, Carmen. For months, Clayton was locked inside an airless, dark bathroom closet, often for 24 hours at a time. Inside the closet was another horror. The small boy was tightly bound in wire fencing, then wrapped and locked in chains. Clayton had to stand for agonizing hours on end, even while sleeping. His tiny neck and chest bore scars from the wire and chains cutting into his bare skin. When Clayton could no longer hold his bodily functions, he was forced to go to the bathroom on himself. His stepmother punished him by rubbing his own feces in his face. Then his father would urinate on him. The only kindness Clayton ever received was from his 14-year-old stepsister, who let him out and fed him cereal when both parents were away. While his stepsister was spared the cruel abuse, she was still desperate to escape. She ran away to Kentucky and was picked up by police. She begged them not to take her back home and eventually confessed her family's horrifying secret. So, as I said, Clayton was just six years old when he was rescued from that closet. Back then, he could not speak for himself about his unimaginable ordeal today. He is a 19-year-old young man and telling his story in his own words for the first time. You'll be astonished at his resilience. Please welcome Clayton. So welcome, Thank welcome, you. welcome. 
So what do you remember about those years? Do you remember the very first time you were put in the closet? I don't. I mean, I just I remember being in there and just wondering, you know, when am I going to get out? And just mm -hmm. it seemed like forever, an eternity that I was in there. Mm -hmm. The police believe that you were locked in there for, what, three to six months, they say. Yeah, what do, you, do you have any idea? Um, I was in there, you know, quite a bit. I mean, very, very seldom was I let, you know, out. And when I was, I was locked in my bedroom. Mm -hmm. And do you remember your, your stepsister letting you out to feed your cereal? Yes, Cheerios. Mm -hmm. Cheerios. <laughs> so, um, I mean, it was when they left very, very seldomly, when they were both gone, you know, she'd let me out. I'd sit down, watch TV with her, have cereal, sandwich, whatever, mm -hmm. um, you know, just. Were there ever any other children around um, near you? I mean, outside maybe. Yeah, um, but I, mean, I mean, could you, uh, could you ever like go and play with other children? No, never. I mean, mm -hmm. I wasn't a kid at all. Do you remember being in the closet and thinking why? I do. Mm -hmm. uh, I just asked myself why, why are you doing this to me? I wondered why, what well, couldn't be a normal child. Uh, why I had to be confined and what I, what I did wrong, I just never got it, never understood. Could you, did you have a sense of, because many times when somebody has been treated badly for so long, that becomes their normal, but did you have a sense that other kids aren't treated this way, that this isn't normal, that this is wrong? Uh, I did, mm -hmm. um, most, more so that, uh, I mean, I was just wondering what I did wrong. Mm -hmm. I mean, they never, never sp specifically, you know, explained it to me. They just punished me. So you would be screaming in the closet? Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's just... And what uh, would happen when you were screaming in the closet? Dish soap. Uh, you know, they'd put dish soap in my mouth and just leave it. They wouldn't rinse it out. They wouldn't... I mean, so I just had to, you know, endure that taste. And mm -hmm. I mean, I just, I still to this day, I can't stand the smell of it just because of, mm -hmm. you know... And what would they be doing, do you know, while you were screaming in the closet? Anything from being at work, from sitting and watching TV, uh, to showering together mm -hmm. and a couple feet away from me. Because mm -hmm. this was in the bathroom, this yes, closet this was bathroom. in the bathroom. So when Clayton was first rescued, the police officer who interviewed him recorded the conversation. Now, I know those of you who are here on our audience and in our audience outside of the studio can remember your own six-year-old self. And many of you can remember raising your children or are still raising your children who are at this age. So imagine this. Can you tell me what your name is? Clayton. Okay. You told me about a closet that you sometimes had to go to when you were bad. Yeah. How did they keep you from getting out of the closet when they put you in there? They had a lock on there. And I had a fence around me chained up on the fence. It was wrapped around my legs, my around. Under your arms? Yeah. Okay. That's how my arm gets hurt. Do you ever stay in there for a few days at a time before you ever come out? Yeah. Without ever coming out? Yeah. When you have that fence and chain around you, do you lay down in the closet or can you lay down? I can't. It's too, it's too little. So you sometimes stay in there all day and all night and have yeah. to sleep in there? Yeah. Is it hot in the closet? Yeah. Do you sweat? Yeah. Did you ever get hungry while you were in the closet? Well, hungry and sometimes. They didn't give me a drink when I was thirsty in the closet and I was very thirsty. 
Did you ever go all day without eating? Yeah. What about when you have to go to the bathroom? What do you have to do? Sometimes I have to pee in a cup because I have pee on my feet. You pee on your feet? Because I pee on the floor because I pee in my pants and it goes down my legs and it gets on the floor and I step in the pee. Do you ever cry while you're in there or holler for anybody to let you out? I holler and I cry. Cry? Yeah. Does anybody come when you cry? They wait a long time. If I don't shut up, they get to do so. You heard those tapes for the first time yesterday. Do you remember that conversation? Uh, it just seems so surreal, like it happened, you know, mm -hmm. yesterday. What happened to that little boy? Oh, he never got his childhood. Um, I mean, it. I was adopted, um, and I mean, I kind of got a little bit of a childhood afterwards, but I mean, that chunk of my life, it just seems like from there, you know, from when I was born all the way up to being six, there was no childhood for me. Mm -hmm. Have you seen your parents since you were rescued? Nope, I haven't seen them since. Um, don't really want to. Yeah, because do you think of them as parents? Um, they're always gonna have that title just because, you know, mm -hmm. well, Joseph is because, you know, he was, uh, my biological father, but mm -hmm. I don't consider him my father. I have way better parents now. So, you know, lots of people have had horrible things happen to them, and everybody has a choice when horrible things happen to you, I think. You can choose to step out of that history and not be defined by your past, no matter who you are, and no matter how dark the past has been, or you can let that define your life. And you were telling me that you have made a decision to not let it define your life. So I know you haven't spoken before now. Why did you want to speak today? Um, just wanted to, you know, let everybody know, you know, to keep an eye out. You know, people had seen that I w had been there at one time, and then all of a sudden I just was nowhere to be found, and they just they didn't think anything of it. Mm -hmm. um, I want people to see, you know, to pay attention, to actually, you know, look into things like that. Mm -hmm. um, I also want to show people that you can come out of being, you can't let it define you to be a bad person. You have to grow from it and learn from it and be a better person. Have you grieved it though? I mean, I can see you, you're being strong here and you wanna be strong and I appreciate that. You wanna be strong and um, you know, not be too emotional about it. But have you given yourself a chance to grieve what happened to your little boy self? Um, I went through counseling for a little while afterwards. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't feel like it was helping. I felt like, you know, I, I was handling it very well myself. Mm -hmm. um, I do maintain my composure. You know, mm -hmm. it, it hurts inside. It's just really, I mean, mm -hmm. I'm a male, so it's hard for me to show those feelings to mm -hmm. everybody else. But, I mean, I... I because I'm, when you hear that little tape, I mean, you could see people in the audience are crying when we hear your little boy voice, because everybody remembers how little you are at six years old and how trusting you are at six years old. And when you hear that, uh, um, you feel what for that little boy? Um, I feel bad. Mm -hmm. When you grow up, you lose that trust. And I, you know, I, I trusted my father and he ruined it. Mm -hmm. You said your dad did something to you one time when you peed in your pants? Yeah, he peed on me. He peed on you? Yeah. Where did he pee on you at? He did it on my neck and once he peed in a cup 
He jumped down on my head. What did they do to you when you pooped in your pants? They smeared poop in my face. Sometimes it gets in my mouth. Okay. Who did that to you? Carmen. Clayton's stepmother Carmen and father Joseph pled guilty to neglect, criminal confinement, and battery, but each blamed the other for initiating the heinous crimes. An Indiana judge gave them the maximum sentence under the law, four and a half years, but said he knew both deserve more. Carmen served only two years and three months, while Clayton's father was released from prison after just 21 months. That's stunning. Isn't that stunning? And that's why I've said over the years doing this show, I mean, we only pay lip service to what we really think of children in this country. How do, how do you feel about when you hear that? That's, uh, I, they should have spent forever in jail as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad got, you know, half his time knocked off and, uh, you know, and then another six months for getting his GED, like, I don't think that's fair. I mean, to get a free education and then get time taken off of your sentence. I when mean, you've tortured your child in the closet. Exactly. It's just really, it's really awful. It's really awful. Would you ever want to see him? We just had a woman on here recently whose husband, uh, boyfriend, had shot her in the face, and he's in prison, and she was saying she wants to, to go to prison and ask him why. Do you, would you ever want to ask your father why? I do, um, at some point. I mean, it's just... But is there an answer that could ever satisfy that? I mean, what, what, what answer could he None. give you? There's no answer. I mean, he, he ruined everything mm-hmm. for me. I mean, he... Was he ever kind to you? Uh, he was uh, before, you know, Carmen came into the picture. You know, we were great father-son, you know, just like any other normal, you know, dad and son. Where was your biological mother when all of this was happening? She wasn't there. Uh, she dropped me off, you know, told me she'd be back, you know, she'd come back and get me. Um, she never did. She was uh, heavily into drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, Never really was a mother. I mean, to this day, I still I haven't talked to her since the adoption either. Well, with the help of the Marshall uh, County Courthouse in Indiana, we were able to retrieve the police evidence photos of Clayton's abused body and the closet where he was held. And last week, Clayton saw them for the first time. I could still to this day smell the closet, what it smelled like. And you know, every time I come across the same smell, it's 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 hard. Used a dog chain like I was some kind of dog. They wrapped me in the fence, and then they'd chain around it. So, you know, no matter what, I wouldn't. I had no chance. And then this, I remember markings from where they had the fence, you know, under my armpits. It was just a little lock. I remember that so well, you know, asking myself, you know, why can't I break that lock and why can't I break out? When I was in the closet, I remember, you know, being so hungry that I'd, you know, tear pieces of, you know, the paper bags off the floor and try to eat them. So, I mean, I just stayed hungry. It was so small. Whenever Clayton yelled for help, he says his dad and stepmother punished him by pouring liquid dish soap into his mouth. You know, I got a really bad rash on my neck from the dish soap. You know, I'd run out of my mouth and they'd just leave it there while I was in the closet. You know, they were taking pictures and I remember them, you know, laughing about, you know, some of the things that they did. 
didn't do anything to deserve it. I was six years old. Just a little boy. Innocent little boy. So how has that abuse impacted the way you treat other people? Um, I'm just, I'm courteous. I mean, I, I, I treat everybody with the utmost respect, even if they don't give it to me. I mean, I believe that, you know, I, I, I can be a better person every day when I wake up. If I can make one person smile a day, my goal has been made. I mean, I want to, I just want to be better than what he couldn't be, what she couldn't be. Have you been able to make any sense of it, though? Is it something that, that you think about all the time? Or have you moved on? Do you think about that closet all the time? Or, or is there certain things that trigger it for you, um, trigger those bad memories? I kind of put it in a chest. When I want to access it, I, I can. I mean, I, I'm very well, very good at holding it, you know, not thinking about it, um, unless, you know, I want to. Um, I'm very, very well taking care of myself mm -hmm. in that aspect. Um, things do trigger it. Like, tastes of things, you know, smells of things. I mean, I, I just, oldies music, mm -hmm. I mean, more than anything. I mean, that, that. Why I just, oldies music? I mean, when I was screaming to get out of the closet, you know, they'd blare it just blare it, um, you know, so they just drowned out my, my voices and... They'd be listening to the radio or... Yeah, and I mean, just, you know, in the shower or wherever they were, they just, they didn't want to hear me. Mm -hmm. Months after Clayton was rescued, he was adopted by his biological mother's aunt. Aunt Patty is who Clayton calls mom ever since. He was a very skittish child at first, and we tried to do anything and everything that would make him comfortable. We didn't bring up the subject too much with Clayton. We have tried to shield him from his past. We wanted him to be the little boy that he was never allowed to be. As much as she tried to protect him, Patty knew one day Clayton would need to know the truth. I have pictures that I have saved over the years and articles from his abuse. This is the first time we haven't been through it together. Look how tiny you were. Didn't know you were that cute, did you? They didn't even fit in the laundry basket. That's wonderful. I'm smiling in almost all of them. After it happened, it consumed my whole childhood. And I just, it blocked out all the good memories and I'm, no, I have bad memories. They had you in the police station. Do you remember them bringing your dad through? Yeah, I and remember that. He said, look what you did to me. I hope you're happy. He blamed it on me. It's so interesting um, that that makes you emotional. Of all the things that have happened to you, uh, the, the very thought of your father holding up his handcuffed uh, his handcuffed hands and saying, look what you did to me. Why does that strike you as so? You know, he blamed it on me. Uh, I mean, I was six. I mean, I was a little boy. Mm -hmm. um, he was supposed to be my father. I mean, the one, I mean, like I said, you know, good times that we had, and he just, he threw it all away like it was nothing, like it never meant anything. Mm. So, Patty, that was the first time you went through the newspapers, really, was it? Yeah, I, I put them away. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to have Clayton go through that ordeal over and over. Um, just wanted him to, I wanted him to be a little boy. So you are his real mother's aunt? Yes. 
Uh, did you know any of this was going on? No, I didn't. Uh, what had happened was uh, I, I had Clayton a lot. I, I'd babysit for him a lot, but I had gotten married and my husband and I had moved out of the county. Mm -hmm. And uh, the next thing I knew, he was missing. I, I lost all contact with my niece. And uh, he was, I got a phone call and it was from my father's home and he, he said that they had found Clayton and that he had been abused. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, uh, I dropped to my knees <laughs> because it's not right. It's not, no, not Clayton. And I felt so guilty because I felt if I wouldn't have left that complex, mm -hmm. that he would have had somebody that he could have been with. She would have dropped him off at my house instead mm -hmm. of his house. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, no, you don't treat a little boy this way. Yeah, yeah. You don't. You don't. Thank you. So, um, you know, I can understand why you feel guilty, but you did step in, and as we said uh, a few moments ago, tried to give him the life that he deserved. So when you know that you're taking in a child who, and you know, our, you know, all the psychologists say this, that who you are is formed by the time you're six years old. So when you're taking in a child who, for whom everything in his world has said, you are worthless, you are nothing, you don't matter, how do you begin to try and reconstruct and rebuild that image for him. Holding him, mm -hmm. loving him. Yeah. Getting him through the rough nights yeah. that he couldn't sleep. Just letting him be a child. Mm -hmm. Watching him go out in the yard. I, I wouldn't let him go in the front yard because I was, I was fearful. I kept uh, an correct. eye on them. I did not want his dad to come back, his mother to come back. Mm -hmm. And um, I just kept him. Close, mm -hmm. close here. I didn't want any harm, no more harm. Mm -hmm. I wanted him to be a boy. I wanted him to be that, the boy you go out in the yard, you get dirty, mm -hmm. you dig a hole in the yard, you know, you have mm -hmm. fun and, and you play. Mm -hmm. And he did. Mm -hmm. Was it difficult for him adjusting at first? I think at first it was. Yeah. Because he would, especially at night, he would, he would get, he would hallucinate at times. Mm -hmm. And he would be so bad that when my husband would come from another room, he would be afraid, don't get him away from me, get him away from me. Mm -hmm. Do you remember those times? Do you remember adjusting? Do you remember when you first moved to live with your aunt? I did, it was, I was just, you know, waiting for my mom mostly. Um, you know, I, I was having fun playing with, you know, the other children mm -hmm. uh, that I never got to do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and after foster care, that, that kind of helped me develop to be a normal child. Mm -hmm. um, and then just waiting to actually, you know, be settled in somewhere. Mm -hmm. To be settled in somewhere. Yes. Yeah. Were you worried about drugs and alcohol? Oh, yes, I was. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. I thought when you go through experience like that, you know, you can, this is where I give Clayton all the credit because he could have went to drugs, he could have went to alcohol, he could have really messed himself up. Mm -hmm. but he chose to gain strength from what he had gone through yeah. and move on instead of digging himself a hole. Yeah. For me, Clayton's story is a story for 
all of us. It's not, you know, all of us have different things that have happened in our past, but what his resilience and fortitude and choices to be happy, because you choose to be happy every day. Every day. Make a decision every day to step out of your history, step out of the past of what happened to you, and choose to be present for what is happening now. Everybody has the ability to be that, and that's why I think it's such a story of triumph and victory. 28-year-old deputy Todd Pate had been on the police force for four years. He had no idea that a chance encounter with a teenage runaway would impact his life forever. Here's his story. For months, six-year-old Clayton endured unimaginable torture, starved, chained, and locked in a small closet by his father and stepmother. Then Clayton's 14-year-old stepsister ran away to Kentucky. When a county deputy named Todd Pate found her, she begged not to be sent back to her Indiana home and revealed the abuse that Clayton had been suffering. Deputy Pate immediately alerted Indiana authorities. After a brief investigation and visit to the home, a caseworker saw no reason to take Clayton away. But in his gut, Deputy Pate knew something was terribly wrong. He told Clayton's father and stepmother they both needed to come to Kentucky before he would release their daughter. He had a hunch they would bring Clayton with them. When Joseph and Carmen came to pick up their daughter, Deputy Pate saw Clayton in the car's back seat. He wrote in his initial report the boy showed obvious signs of severe abuse and neglect. It was Deputy Pate's interview with Clayton that led to Joseph and Carmen's arrest. It's been 13 years since that fateful day. Clayton never forgot the officer who saved his life. It was a big example for me and a big role model for me when I was young. My dream is to become a police officer, to help people, you know, just like me, you know, people who can't defend themselves. Todd Pate, he had a big impact on my life. What do you remember about the day of that rescue? I remember them getting me ready, you know, telling me, you know, to lie. Um, you know, they put me in my yellow overall. Telling you to lie? Yes. Like, how, what? Um, the reasons for, you know, the, the rashes, my dry skin, you know, um, the under the armpits that I was hanging on a boat rope, just things for everything that they wanted me to lie about. Um, when you did the interview with Todd, did you think you were home free? Did you think that you were going to be saved? I did. Mm -hmm. um, I had a lot of trust in him. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I just, spending the little time that I had with him, I mean, I just, I... I didn't have anybody to trust for so long, and then he was, he was there. Deputy Todd Pate is now Sheriff Pate. He told us he never forgot you, and he always hoped he'd see you again. So come on out, Sheriff Pate. When the report came back that there, the social worker, whoever the person was, that went there and said, you know, there's no evidence to take the boy out of the home, what inside yourself made you not just let that go? I just couldn't. The details that the stepsister had, had given me, the details of the chains around him, the dog pen fence, uh, knowing where the key to the padlock was, how she would get him out of the closet and put lotion on him at times. Um, I felt that, that I couldn't let it go. 
after Clayton's stepsister tells you this story, you contact Joseph and Carmen and say, the only way I'm going to release her is you got to come get her. That's, that's yeah. accurate. And you were doing that in hopes that they would bring him. Yes. Yeah. So when you saw him, you knew? I knew, yes, I, I knew. I thought, uh, you know, everything that I saw initially, his visual appearance was just as she had told me mm -hmm. it was. Mm -hmm. He, uh, I mean, he was a very tired, um, sick-looking little boy, uh, a little boy that looked beat down. So you pulled him out of the back of the car and say, I'm going to interview your child? How were you yes. able to do that? Um, Joseph was, was somewhat, um, he was a little hot-headed. Mm -hmm. He said, you know, the social workers have already been here. They've already spoken to him. There's no need in you talking to my son. And I basically just told him I didn't care if they had been there. I had not talked to his son, and I was conducting an investigation also. And that's when, you know, I took Clayton to the police station, and you sat in my lap, and we ate peanut butter and crackers. <laughs> and you ate a lot of peanut butter and crackers. <laughs> I can imagine. Right. Was was he forthcoming immediately, or did it take some time? It took it took a little a little time. Mm -hmm. I knew that he had been coaxed to Lie. tell me lies, mm -hmm. and oftentimes, and Clayton, I think he he loved his father, even though he was uh, being treated the way that he was. He loved his father and probably felt somewhat responsible for being treated the way that he was. Right, because kids blame themselves. Kids blame themselves. As he said, in the closet, you're like, what did I do? What did I do? At right. that age, you, that's all you know. I must have done something. Exactly. Yeah. But I told him, I said, your, your father wants you to tell me exactly what has happened. And he said, he does. I'll never forget that. And that wasn't necessarily the truth. <laughs> but it Not worked. It worked. Yeah, but it worked. <laughs> it worked. You wanted to tell the truth, but that's right. what it took. And then we, we, uh, we had that conversation. And Good police work. Good police work. That's great. But that just shows how trusting you are at that age, that you can say to him, after all that, your father wants you to tell me the truth. And as a little boy, he goes, he does. He does. He does. When, yes. Do you remember that at all? I do. You do? I do. Yes. When Clayton's story became national news, Sheriff Pate received letters from all over the country calling him a hero. At that time, he told a reporter, I don't know if I'll ever accomplish anything else in my life. But even if I don't, I'll always know I accomplished this. That's fantastic. And you know why that makes me cry? That, that makes me emotional because everybody can do something. Everybody has the power to make a difference in their own lives and somebody else's life. And that one time you trusted your gut, you saved this child's life. You saved his life, really, and really changed the course of somebody's life by saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to let this go. So I, I hear you still have something that he gave to you 13 years ago. I do. I do. Clayton, a few days. A few days after you were rescued, I got this in the mail, and I've had it, of course, ever since. And this is addressed by you to me. Inside is, is a post-it note that says, Dear Todd, you are nice, from Clayton. <laughs> Sheriff Pate, the world needs more heroes like you. And thank you, Clayton. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I hope you continue to grow in grace, really.
You know, for years, I've known this platform isn't just a show. It stopped being just a show a long time ago for me. These stories, I know, when shared around the world, connect people in a way that can literally change the course of their lives. That's why Clayton said he wanted to be here today, to share the story. Listen to this. The same day we aired the show about Clayton's abuse, that was back in 2000 when we first did this, Clayton, a nine-year-old girl in New York City was watching that show with me talking about you and taking it all in. And this is what's happened since. I prosecuted the case of a nine-year-old girl who had been raped by her stepfather since she was six. One day, the girl saw an episode of The Oprah Winfrey Show about a six-year-old boy who was chained in a closet. It empowered the little girl with this simple message. If you're being hurt, if you're being abused, tell a parent. If you can't tell a parent, go to school and tell a teacher. The very next day, she went to school and she told her teacher. I prosecuted the case for the district attorney's office. The defendant was convicted and is now serving a lengthy prison sentence. All it took to end her nightmare was a TV program encouraging her to tell a teacher. Jill was so moved by that little girl's bravery that she wrote a book called My Body Belongs to Me to help parents warn their children about sexual abuse. And Tiffany, the little girl who saw your story that day, is now 20 years old and a standout basketball player who will be attending college in the fall. She and Jill are both here. Stand up, Tiffany. Thank you both. Thank you both. Thank you both. If you or anyone you know is being abused, maybe you will take strength from the strength you've seen from Tiffany and the strength you've seen from Clayton today. Call 1-800-4-A-CHILD. And I hope that today out there watching are more little Tiffany's and Clayton's who need to hear this message. If you're being hurt or sexually abused, tell a teacher, tell a neighbor, a trusted aunt, or even your neighborhood police officer. Tell and tell and tell until somebody believes you and does something. Goodbye, everybody. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah show, The Podcast. And I thank you for listening.